Previously on The Barricades. Please note, this following podcast features bad language right from the fucking start. And now, recorded live in Southampton, England, you're listening to The Barricades and other podcasts. This is the diary of a nosy little shit. This week on Goggle Fox, a staggering episode all about walking when drunk. Fuck My Life, a podcast by Her Majesty the Queen. Real audio wrestling, the best wrestling promotion that you've never seen. This is Baz and Dave's hidden cinemagic. Tune in next week for a much better episode. For now, courage. Now, here's your host, Al Bear Galpin. Hello, yes, I am Albert Galpin and welcome to the channel-hopping multi-podcast experience. The show is an amalgamation of ideas from my previous podcasts, new podcast ideas, other people's podcasts and completely made-up podcasts, all thrown into one big melting pot for your listening pleasure. So welcome to episode one of The Bear Cave and Other Podcasts. If you'd like to get involved with the show in any way, you can find us online at albert.uk forward slash cave. You can email us bearcave at albert.uk Leave us a voicemail on anchor.fm forward slash bearcave and find me on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram or Twitch. It's UK on all of those and that's A-L-B-E-A-R UK. Not Albert, the fifth musketeer. Albert. Anyway, on this week's show, we take a look at the week's weirdest news in the weird week that was with guest Dr. Squee. I explain how to cuddle and speak to a licensed cuddle therapist in sucking eggs. I talk to Alexander Worth about his podcast, Houses and Daria, and then we hear a bit of one of his episodes. And the doctor is put to the test in the fact check quiz. Looking back at the oddest stories of the past seven days, this is The Weird Week That Was. The Weird Week That Was. So for those who haven't heard the Dead Piet Society before, this is what we're all about, the weirdest things that have happened in the past week. Before we get on to our stories, let's meet our guest and see how up-to-date they are with the latest weird news. Our guest this week is an old friend of the show, having appeared on both the Superpod special episodes in 2017 and 2020. It's a man who will appear on pretty much any podcast, if you ask him nicely, uh, the host of the Dr. Squee Show. It's Dr. Squee. Hey, Squee. I object. You don't have to ask that nicely. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> Fair enough. <laughs> I will appear at the drop of a podcast hat. I'm quite happy with that. And I do love the fact that every time you revive Dead Piet Society, I end up appearing. <laughs> but I also end up killing it off that that moment where you revive it. So this might not last too long. <laughs> well, you're the expert on regeneration. So it's the, you're the ideal person to, uh, to get in here. So <laughs> I thought that would be the case anyway. There you go. There you go. So uh, first off, let's get into... A couple of questions to see how well versed you are with some recent, not you know, not mainstream news. Can you tell me, or do you know, what mythical creature has been spotted last week? I don't, so I'm going to just say a griffin because they're cool. <laughs> they are cool. No, there's a new photo surface for the Loch Ness monster last week. Uh, that's what that was. Uh, you see, you see, this, this is the problem. It's always the same ones. It's always the Loch Ness monster or Sasquatch. Never a griffin. Come on, be a bit more original with your sightings. This is true. You're going to make it up, which let's face it, <laughs> you know. 
And uh, there was also a nurse reprimanded last week for wearing something under transparent PPE. Do you know what that was? I'm trying, like, right, you usually keep your podcast fairly family friendly, so I'm not going to guess because it's just going to go a very rude and very naughty place if I if I answer that. So I have no idea. I'm just going to just going to let you tell me. Uh, we're not so bothered about family friendly anymore. Screw that. Doesn't matter. Uh, but it was a bikini. She wore a bikini under her PPE, and uh, it was visible to all. Okay, nipple clamps. <laughs> Bikini, I don't know. It's, um, I mean, I suppose, look, if you want to go down the beach, but you want to be extra safe, bikini, PPE. Yeah. Well, not, I suppose also when that was when the heat was, you know, getting around the 30 degree mark. Yeah. You don't want to be wearing a full set of clothes and then what are effectively plastic sheets over the top. It's going to be really hot. Plus, don't you want to be safe and sexy? I know I do. <laughs> Always. That's your default state. I, and generally, yeah, yeah. I mean, we recorded, this was actually quite funny, we recorded a, an episode of uh, my other podcast, Due South by Southeast, uh, live on video for the first time uh, due to lockdown. We thought it'd be kind of a fun thing to do and a way to get our co-host who um, sort of lives separately to us uh, on the mic. Um, and during that, I was wearing this kind of vesty top. We decided for no good reason to do a Hawaiian theme. And the vest top uh, was from when I was a little bit larger. So um, it, it was a little bit sexy because there was a risk of a nip slip on our podcast, but not that sexy given it was my nip. <laughs> well, everyone can make their own mind up about that. I won't be drawn into Yeah, that. yeah. I, I, I think they already did. <laughs> <laughs> And our last little test for you today, uh, Irish Taoiseach Leo Varadkar quoted a movie in his coronavirus news conference last week. Do you know what movie he quoted? Uh, I, I like that guy. He's really cool. Um, he's, he's, the, he's the, am I correct in saying he is the um, gay guy who was uh, Taoiseach and now has just been replaced, hasn't he? I think so. He's gone... He's the outgoing Yeah, yeah. He, uh, but now he's deputy prime minister, which can't be seen as promotion. So I'm thinking something which is maybe kind of like um, maybe relative to that. So, you know, maybe he was just enjoy being their prime minister for a little while longer. And so he quoted something from Love Actually. Uh, no, it was actually Mean Girls. Yeah. Oh, I'm, look, I mean, because of course it was. you see, I was very carefully sticking away from any gay stereotypes. So like it, it's, it's life, life is, is more in, um, you know, going more towards these stereotypes than I am. It, it turns out. <laughs> <laughs> well, okay. Anyway, that's our little test over. We're going to move on to our actual headlines for the week. Uh, so this, this newer version of the show is there's, there's less stories than normal. So what we're going to do, we're going to start with four headlines and then we're going to instantly discard one based purely on the headline alone and we're never going to mention it again uh, before working our way through the other three stories and then we'll declare one of them our story of the week. Sounds good. So this week's headlines are Man can't sleep as he keeps getting pizza deliveries. Uh, <laughs> Mum shares daughter's terrifying homework fail after botched Google cheat. Mum left mortified after photo of science experiment is mistaken for sex toys. And Austrian police defends decision to find man after provocative fart. You see, the problem with these are they're all wonderful, but there's just so much to unpack. Like even in the headlines, it's just taking in the information. It's difficult. Can I rehear the second and fourth one? I feel like I, I took in the other two, but. <laughs> so the second one was mum shares daughter's terrifying homework fail after botched Google cheat. Yeah. And then the fourth one was Austrian police defend decision to find man after provocative fart. You see, I figure with those two both, there is so much more to find out. The other two I love, 
but they've got kind of kind of less. You know, you you know what they are kind of from the headline. I think I think mm-hmm. probably the third one is, is for me the one I'd lose just because I think it's all there in the headline. The sex toys. Yeah, I mean, like you know, yep. mistaken for sex toys. That that that's what the thing is. Okay, fair enough. We shall ditch that one. Uh, if listener, if you think that's a mistake and you want to know what that story is about, if you haven't heard it, then you can find the link to the article in our show notes. Uh, more about where you can get those later. So let's get on to the other stories. So the first you one. You see, this is my third time on the show. You know, the first time I might fall into that trap and, you know, pick one of the ones where it's all in the headline. You learn this after three appearances <laughs> on the Dead Piet Society. You learn some strategy. You do, yeah. There is there is an act to it. Uh, so, yeah, number one was a man can't sleep as he keeps getting pizza deliveries. Uh, and this was uh, written on the website Emirates 24-7. Do you know why I wanted to keep this one? Why? Because I want to know if he's complaining. If he is, he can just go <laughs> do one. Like, you know, if you're getting pizza deliveries that you did not order, like presumably you're then not paying for, don't complain. Yeah. Well, let's find out, shall we? Uh, the story says, sure. a man can't sleep as unwanted pizzas keep being delivered to him. Uh, Jean, or Jean Van Landingham has been receiving takeaway deliveries regularly for the past nine years years but he's never actually <laughs> ordered one he said i cannot sleep anymore i start shaking every time i hear a scooter on the street i live in fear that someone will come and drop off hot pizzas yet again <laughs> fear of hot pizzas i mean nine years i i really hope this is someone pranking him because the staying power of nine years of doing that is just genius and i want to know what he did to anger that person if it is a prankster yeah well the story continues it says the 65 year old who hails from belgium believes that a prankster is behind the phantom pizzas which has led to him getting up to 10 deliveries a day Sure. John explained it can be on a weekday or during weekends, and at any time of day, I've even had orders delivered to me at 2 a.m. John is determined to track down the culprit and warns that it will not be their best day when he finds out who is responsible. I mean, I must admit, I think I probably would be like him, irritated by now, but I'd be like there going, like, look, this has to stop. Yes, I will accept delivery of the pizza, but this has to stop soon. It's 2 a.m. Now, the question is, is someone paying for these up front? Or are these guys being turned away going, no, I'm not paying for this. I didn't order it. In which case, surely every pizza place in town should know not to deliver pizzas to that address. Well, you would think after all this time. Yeah. I mean, even if they are, I mean, I guess if they're still getting paid, they're still getting paid. So, you know, do what you got to do. But um, if they're not, that's a very um, silly pizza places to still be delivering them. Yeah, absolutely. I'm just getting my calculator out here to do it. So he says, well, up to 10 a day uh, for nine years. That's that's almost 33,000 pizzas. So you need a comedy um, button pressing thing for, for when you get your calculator out. Just working it out now. Kitty and I just watched uh, Jay and Silent Bob reboot the other night and it's just like every time oh, Silent yeah. Bob gets his phone out oh, my favourite bit of that film like, sorry for anyone who hasn't seen it but there's a bit where he's um, copying down someone's phone if someone's credit card details as they read it out and he does this really over the top gestures of pressing the buttons yes just creases me up every time. <laughs> well, that that is the end of the, what is written on that story. It was quite a short little piece on the website, so it doesn't it doesn't give us any more information about. Uh, uh, I have so many so many more questions involved. Yeah, this is this is it's one of those stories. <laughs> that you're like, no, no, come could on, you that please, can't be the end. We need to know more. Please- 
please, please, for one of your um, other segments, which I know you do in this new podcast, please get this guy on the phone about how to order a pizza. (laughs) (laughs) That is a good idea. Coming soon on Sucking Eggs, how to order a pizza with a guy who's not ordered one but had 33,000 of them in the last 10 years. Amazing. Uh, So that is story number one. We'll move on to uh, story number two. Uh, Mum shares daughter's terrifying homework fail after a botched Google cheat. This one is in the mirror. Um, and so this one... See, that is actually, just just very quickly, like, and I don't often praise any of our tabloids in this country. I've got to give it to them. That is an intriguing headline. It gives you just enough to get you interested, not too much to kind of like uh, make you, you know, go, oh, it's all in the headline. Genius. That That's actually the perfect headline, it might be. It's 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 a good one. It gets you intrigued. I like it. But it doesn't feel too clickbait either. No, no. Yeah, I like this. It's better than the Sex Toys one, which is also in the mirror, by the way, that, that one, that other headline that wasn't so good. So, you know. Yeah. They get, Swings around. Yeah. <laughs> they can't be right all the time. So this story says... Trying to encourage your children to do their homework at the best of times can be pretty challenging, but in lockdown, it's become even harder. During these unprecedented times, most schools have supplied pupils with tasks to complete at home, but adapting to a new routine can be tough on them. So with so many extra distractions around, some kids will want to rush their homework so they can go and play and have been a bit naughty when it comes to their schoolwork, as one mum discovered. Uh, The woman discovered that her child had enlisted a little help from Google to do her music work with slightly terrifying results. Sharing the funny story on Mum's Net, she explained, I wanted as many people to see this as possible. It's a salient warning to check your children's work before sending it back to school. Her child's class had been asked to find out facts about violins. At first, the child was on the right track, explaining what the instrument was made of. It read, made of wood, two ways to play. But then things got a little twisted. They must have accidentally searched for violence instead of violins. Easy mistake to make. So then it says that there are five types of violin. Sexual, suicide, youth, intimate, and child maltreatment. Oh. (laughs) Thankfully, the mum checked it before she submitted it and admitted that she was so glad she noticed it but found the whole ordeal hilarious. She said the confirmation is needed that some children just Google stuff, copy it down as fast as possible to get their work done and are not taking it in or doing any actual learning along the way. Yeah, so it's the idea of a sexual violin is is quite an interesting one. I mean, I, I, and I would just like to say, um, if uh, my fiance Nicola is listening, that's how all the porn got on my computer. I was trying to look up musical instruments, and every time, wouldn't you know it, porn. Yeah. Oh, every search result comes back with something porn related, surely, if you throw far. I mean, I, I, I am dyslexic, much like this uh, child sounds to be, so, you know, it's it's understandable. You know, she clearly just ty- started typing, you know, V-I-O-L, and then just let it autocorrect. To, to the first yeah um, you're, you're clearly looking for violence let me show you this v-i-o-l girl on girl oh damn it again i mean it's like how many men do you think just used that as an excuse after this it's like what i was looking at musical instruments again <laughs> yeah oh it's to be fair i don't even think that the uh if she had written five types of violence i don't think those five types are the Surely there's more violence than that. Sexual, okay. Suicide, yeah. Youth, intimate, child maltreatment. There's lots of other forms of violence. Yeah, I mean, and the other thing is, it's um, 
It just goes to show, I mean, I I think you're right. Even if you had typed in violin, probably the third result would have been porn anyway. So, you know, you just can't get away from it. It's it's everywhere. But I would it hope. Is. I mean, so I hear. As a, a mother of a young daughter, they should have safe search turned on on Google. Yes. And safe search should be the only thing turned on by the internet. Hey. Hey. <laughs> <laughs> so that's story number two sexual violins um story number four as it was uh, austrian police defend decision to fine man after provocative fart so this is the story in the guardian uh it's, it says a man in vienna has been fined 500 euros that's 447 quid for breaking wind loudly in front of police in a move the Austrian capital's police force was at pains to defend. The Österreich newspaper reported that a penalty stemmed from an incident on the 5th of June and that the offender was fined for offending public decency. City police wrote on Twitter that, of course, no one is reported for accidentally letting one go. They added that a man had behaved provocatively and uncooperatively during an encounter with officers that preceded the incident. He got up from a park bench, looked at officers, and, and this is a quote, let go a massive intestinal wind apparently with full intent, he said. (laughs) Farting with intent. That should be the charge of farting with intent, surely. (laughs) And then they know that the decision could be appealed against. Uh, But I do like that word, let go massive intestinal wind. I mean, for me also, it's the fact that they've chosen the terminology, and I think this is the language barrier playing here. They've chosen the language um, provocative, which which to me it, like sounds like that he's coming on to the police officers. He's being provocative, you know. It's like, <laughs> hello, uh, officers, how are you? <laughs> eh? And giving a little wink at the end. I mean, it, I, I they say, you know, they're not going to get done if you accidentally let one go. But what if he was angry with them and accidentally let one go? I mean, just that he was angry with them and having a go at them doesn't mean that everything he does is related to that. No, if if he's angry when he farts, that's fart with uh, that's um, breaking wind with malice. That's a different charge. (laughs) Breaking wind with an intent to disgust. Yeah, just just genius. I just love any stories like this. I mean, I'm sure that we have plenty of them in this country. Uh, which kind of like travel the world and just I mean, for some reason though it's always the ones which come from other countries which have just got that extra susan of just <laughs> nuttiness and I think it, I think it is just the language barrier because the way they talk about it sounds funnier because probably they've meant to say it just in a very deadpan way but they've used a word like I mean again I think just the the word um, uh, provocatively d- just sounds like he's coming onto them which just makes it so much better. <laughs> coming on to them with a fart yeah exactly so, uh, well when you say that's not how that works someone try that out if you're provoking someone then you're trying to get them to to do something if you're provocative that suggests like that you're trying to get them in the mood to me <laughs> it's all in the wording this brings a whole new meaning to agent provocateur it's, uh, <laughs> It's just someone who goes around farting. Yeah, yeah. Right. So they are our three stories this week. Now, first up, do you have a particular favourite between uh, pizza, the violence, and the fart? I, jeez, oh, because my childishness is competing with itself for the first and last one. I mean, the sex toy one, that was, oh, you know, um, sex search one, sorry, I should say, with musical instruments. I love it, but, you know, I, I feel like it's all there, as it were. 
the pizza one, I've got so many more questions, which is just genius. And I love the fact of whoever is this is just such a childish dick. And after nine years, it probably is actually cruel, but I still find it funny. Um, and then you've got breaking wind. Farting is always funny, uh, but I think I, I would have to give it to the pizzas. Okay. Yeah. I, I like that as well. You're right. There's so many more questions to it. The, nine years. I, nine I want years. To do a deep investigation into that. Yeah. Oh, please, please try and get them on the phone. Just, just do it. <laughs> I, will, I will try and see, because it's from the Emirates website, I assume that it happened out, out that way. Uh, so how many good Belgian guys with that name can there be in that part of the world? So uh, we shall give it our best to try and get yeah. hold of it for a future episode. Uh, so stay tuned on that one. I mean, I... I- I sort of want to at the same time say to him, it's like, look, this is mean of him, like or her or whoever's doing it after all these years, it's wrong. And I can see why you're wound up. But objectively, you've got to admit, bit funny, yeah? Bit funny, yeah. I mean, obviously, if you're the person that is being done to, I can understand not finding it amusing. But yeah, I think everyone else in the world, the idea of it is... It's quite funny. Uh, so that, that I like it, to think even that guy can see objectively, though, bit funny. <laughs> That makes it official then. Uh, the man who keeps getting pizza deliveries is our story of the week. Now it's time to see if the listeners agree with our decision. So listeners, take a note. You can vote for your personal favourite on our website, albear.uk forward slash cave. Just click on vote at the top of the screen. Alternatively, you can find the poll of the stories on Twitter as well, uh, under my Twitter, which is UK. Both polls will be open for a week and we'll discuss the results uh, the next time we do this. <laughs> In a week when our Goggle Voxers listened to a breathtaking show about asthma, we learned a lot from a fascinating podcast all about ladies' formal headwear. My name is Alexander Worth. Um, I'm a, well, I'm a musician by trade, but I'm, I'm also a writer at this point. And I've been writing and narrating um, a young adult uh, fantasy fiction podcast um, in audiobook form called Tales of Zendaria, uh, which follows um, a reluctant young princess uh, called April and her dog, Willow, um, and, and the various kind of things they get up to. In a land far away, very, very long ago, there lived a girl named April. You, Princess April Corsteed, are a polymage, one with natural inborn talent for magics. Wait, so you're telling me your father, the King of Zendaria, is trying to have you, his only daughter and Princess of Zendaria, murdered? Blood gushed from the man's mouth and he doubled forwards onto the floor. Where he had been standing, King Quosteed was locked into a fighting stance, eyes aflame and steam emanating from his body. Well, that was quite a sight, Balthar smirked. I imagine you have some questions. April considered her life until now. The lessons with her father, the adventures with Willow, meals shared, the fleeting memories of her mother. And with that, April leant forward for what felt like an eternity and stepped off the balustrade into nothingness. Tales of Zendaria. How, how did this all come about then? As, as a musician, how did you get into this kind of podcast? Well, um, it actually stems quite a lot from my partner um, because she sometimes has trouble sleeping uh, and routinely for a long, long time she kept asking me when she couldn't sleep, like, oh, could you tell me a story or something like that? And 
Sleep is one of my greatest loves, so so generally my answer would be no, uh, <laughs> because you know I, I I prefer doing that rather than rather than staying up until you know three in the morning telling stories. Um, but I thought a nice kind of solution to that issue would be okay. Let's just record something for you and and put it in that kind of format, and that's how the first chapter of it came about. Um, and then I quite enjoyed it. I just uh, I just continued writing and, and developing, and, and it's it's kind of developing as I go. Really, I um, I don't actually have anything fully plotted out. I sort of more or less do it week to week um, in terms of the actual storyline and everything else. That's what I was going to ask. Is that how uh, how uh, planned out is it? And because you're obviously doing it in audio book form, I wondered if you had a whole book's worth written out or something. Um, not quite. I've got like a very vague idea of where I want it to go. And I mean very vague. Um, as in just, you know, I think this character's probably gonna turn out to not be so nice kind of thing. And and right. and that's about as as uh, solid as the whole thing actually is at the moment. Um so I'm kind of working out the nitty gritty of it week by week and I kind of set out a little um just a little kind of outline and then try writing it. And I, I generally go for about 3,000 words a chapter roughly um, every week and then set about editing them a little bit and record them. Um, and then I'm, I'm trying to sort of round it off, as you say, into books. Um, so I, I, I think around the sort of 30 episode mark around there will probably be the end of book one i would guess um but you never know what made you want to do it in this kind of style then the audiobook style did you did you ever have an inkling of maybe getting voice actors involved and that kind of thing um that is something that i am looking at and considering at the moment um because uh well because i can is is one of the (laughs) is one of the short answers but um but also obviously every kind of uh, narrator or voice actor has their limits and and there are there are other other voices that I want in there um mm. the the reason uh I started doing this in podcast form as I say was was down to my partner but uh but I actually I really like the format for it um as a storytelling format um because I mean this is this is how people have told stories since the beginning of time it was you know sitting around a fire and having a chat um and uh, there's something I think quite special about that, and also the the fact that it's kind of a weekly episodic sort of instalment, it it, uh, it forces me to be a bit more motivated about it. You know, I've tried writing more long form pieces, um, just as like novels, you know, on their own before, and and progress is slow in that regard. <laughs> uh, <laughs> And, and has doing this inspired you to, to to try anything different? Any other stories that are festering in the back of that mind there? Um, I would say what it's mostly doing is kind of... Uh, it's forcing me to think about what I want to put into the stories in terms of values and um, social perspectives, I suppose. Because mm. um, like one of my, my favourite writers of all time is Terry Pratchett. Um, right. And, uh, you know, like for, for 
for me, his books are home for me. You know, I, I love a lot of writers, but uh, if I want to feel comfortable, I will read a Terry Pratchett book. Um, and one of the things I always loved about his work is that through satire and, and often uh, through kind of um, obscure means, he, he would uh, just explore these, these very detailed and complicated um, social issues through his characters. Um, and I, I thought that was a really kind of fascinating thing to do in, in, a, in, a fantasy, uh, in a fantasy environment. So it's kind of got me thinking about that quite a lot um, and, uh, and where to go with, you know, because, I mean, especially at the moment, there's so much to talk about. You know, there's, there's racism and homophobia in the world, misogyny, all kinds of wonderfully fun things to write about. <laughs> Absolutely. I suppose that's the way it's always been, isn't it? You take things from the world and you put them into to stories, sometimes subtly, sometimes not so. It, uh, it helps people understand it who might not have done otherwise. Well, exactly. And I, I think it's... Um... It's, it's good for people, I think, to be able to see that from a perspective where they are removed from it, um, you know, and, and, and uh, I mean, you've seen it in, you know, things like The Hunger Games or Star Wars or any of these, uh, any of these um, things where there's a, a, a sort of dictatorship going on, um, you know, the, those are the more obviously uh, on the nose examples. Um, but it's uh, it's interesting, and I think it gets people to kind of question things a little bit more when they then see it in their own lives. Yeah, no, absolutely. Okay, so if people uh, obviously are going to going to hear in a moment the clip from one of your episodes, uh, talk us about this clip. What is happening here? If you lay a bit of the groundwork for it. Yeah, so um, this is a clip from Chapter 3, so not too late on, um, and April has gone into the local town with her father, the king, um, and her dog, um, and he's uh, wandered off upstairs at this point um, into into the local tavern, sort of, um, they've got rooms up above, and uh, she's kind of left left to herself in the bar with uh, with the barman Bolfer. Um and uh, yeah some some events unfold I'll, I'll put it that way but it's uh, it's from the end of chapter three nice thank you and if people uh, like this and want to hear more where can they find this podcast and where can they find you um, any anywhere that hosts podcasts, more or less. Um, you know, Spotify, Apple Podcasts, and all of that. I would say just search Tales of Zendaria or Alexander Worth podcast, and you should hopefully find it. Um, I know you definitely will with Tales of Zendaria. Um, that is spelt more or less how it sounds. Um, and uh, and yeah, you should hopefully come across me. Well, thank you very much. Uh, thank you for coming on, Alex. It's been great to talk to you. Um, and for anyone listening, here comes uh, this clip from Tales of Sundaria. The trio soon came to the local tavern, the Beast and Bard, and entered through the large wooden door. Despite the beaming sunlight outside, the interior of the tavern was dim, lit by rows of candles and a glowing fire. Most of the local patrons stopped mid-drink to stare at who had just walked into their pub. While April could often get away with being relatively incognito, the king struck an imposing figure. He was tall, broad-shouldered, long-bearded, and generally enormous. Of course, there was also the fact that his face was on all of the money. It made blending in a tad difficult. "'Your Highness!' a voice rang out across the bar. "'And Princess April! It's so good to see you!' Walking to greet them was Balthar, the proprietor of the tavern, who was also a certified dwarf. 
His dwarven lineage went back millennia, though most of his family were still in Halspeth, native land of the dwarven race. He grasped the king's hand and shook it firmly before giving April a warm hug and, of course, stroking Willow as she licked his other hand. Contrary to rumour, dwarves were not a particularly small people. Generally speaking, the natives of Halsbeth were a few inches shorter than Zendarians, but the king recalled seeing some gigantic dwarves in his time. Bolthar, in fact, was only a few inches shorter than the king, with a striking brown mohawk haircut and plaited beard. "'So, what brings you to my fine establishment this summer's eve?' Bolthar asked. "'I have some business to attend to upstairs. I believe you already have some guests waiting?' "'Oh!' Bolthar tapped his nose twice. "'Say no more, Highness. Upstairs, second door on the left,' he said conspiratorially. "'And how about you two? he said, eyeing the princess and her dog. "'Lemonade and the finest table, my good man!' April raised her nose and held her arm out for Bolthar to escort her. "'But of course, O divinest majesty!' He smiled and bowed several times jokingly. "'I'll be back down soon. Uh, Pick what you like for dinner, April.' "'Oh, staying for supper, are we? Of course, we only have the finest dishes for the princess,' Bolthar winked. The king wandered upstairs as April and Willow were seated at a table directly opposite the bar. A tankard of lemonade and a bowl of water was served to them, and both are returned behind the bar to attend to his customers. "'Hmm, what should we do while we wait, Willow?' April asked the furry friend. Willow looked up curiously before laying on the floor and closing her eyes. "'Meditation? Here? Well, worth a try, I suppose.' She took a sip of her lemonade before closing her eyes. Suddenly, Salant's voice echoed in her head. Practice this at every available opportunity. There wasn't exactly much wind in the tavern, but she supposed that she would someday need to summon air where there wasn't any. Casting her mind back, April recalled the feelings of standing on the balustrade, stepping into nothingness and trusting the air to catch her. Her spine once again tingled, and she tried to hold on to the feeling as long as she could, though it grew more intense with every second. Over the course of several minutes, she would find the feeling and then it would dissipate. Sometimes it would elude her grasp for a while, but it always returned eventually. Across the tavern, a group of men grew rowdy, shouting, singing battle songs, and drinking more than their fair share of ale. "'Eh, I tell you what, Zendaria might be a dunkie, but this ale ain't bad,' one shouted. "'Tomorrow we're one step closer to home, boys, and another step away from that conquerous bassa coursteed,' another yelled in a deep, gruff voice. April opened one of her eyes. She knew the word Bassa to be negative, though her father would never tell her the exact meaning. Aye, no proud Takarian could stomach this place too long anyhow. Ah, April thought. The Takarians had a tense relationship with Zendaria. There was currently a tentative peace after a varied history of battles, skirmishes, and all-out wars. The drunken group all wore the Takarian sigil somewhere about their person, a sword crossed with an axe over a white pot flower. Soldiers, most likely. She closed her eye again. Oi, hang about. That bearded bloke that came in afore, didn't that look a wee bit like Corsteed? Ah, don't be daft, Mason. Why in blunder would a king come into a local tavern? No, no, I swears it. The bar bloke was all bowing and whatnot to the wee lass with him. Oh, that one over there? One of them pointed at April. "'Aye, that's her!' "'Well, I'll be!' 
The pair of them split off from the group and staggered over to April. Willow was still laid down, but alert and ready. Lassie! Oi, Lassie! April sighed and opened her eyes. She was confronted with the sight of two unwashed-looking men in green and the stench of ale breath. Are you the princess, then, of that nefarious basser coursteed? one asked. She eyed the pair carefully. My name is Princess April Quosteed, daughter of King Handel Quosteed, and heir to the throne of Zendaria. She stared at the pair fiercely. And you are interrupting my studies. It's her. It's her. By Mordrath, it's her. Right, golly, you're a-coming with us. The burliest of the pair grabbed April's forearm and yanked her up from her seat. In a flash, the burly man was sent flying backwards and crashed into the bar, splintering the wooden frame. Blood gushed from the man's mouth and he doubled forwards onto the floor. Where he had been standing, King Quosteed was locked into a fighting stance, eyes aflame and steam emanating from his body. If one were to look closely, you could see his muscles ripple with energy. In the same moment, April leapt into the air and brought her knee crashing into the other Tekarian's nose, breaking it with ease. Willow jumped and caught the man's wrist in her jaw, biting and yanking him hard to the ground with a crack. Bolthar leapt over the bar with the double-sided axe in his hand and faced the remaining Tekarian soldiers. Right then, who wants them? Hey, I'm Randy, and I'm an inquisitive kid. When I thought my dad was having an affair, I decided to record my investigation. This is a diary of a nosy little shit, brought to you by Plunderbox. When jobs are really simple, you should know just what to do. No one needs a lesson except me and maybe you. So join us as we teach Grandma this simple little task. Soon she'll be sucking eggs with the help of this podcast. This is the show that teaches you how to do the simple things that you already know how to do. Maybe you'll learn a thing or two, or maybe, more likely, someone else will tell me how things are really done. My name's Al Galpin, I'm most definitely not an expert in anything, and this is Sucking Eggs. For our first episode, I'm going to talk to you about one of my favourite things, cuddling. Let's be honest, most people think cuddling is great. Studies have shown that it helps reduce anxiety and stress, it lowers blood pressure, helps relieve pain, and boosts the immune system. So, how do you do it? Well, listen up, Al's going to teach you. You basically put your arms around someone else, they put your arms around you, and you both kind of squeeze a little bit and stay there a while. That's basically it. There are actually many ways to cuddle, and there's really no right or wrong way to do it, so a weird lesson to start with, I know. A cuddle is just a sustained hug, so it's however you feel comfortable being up close and personal with someone else embraced in each other's arms. But let's get some tips from an expert and find out more about how a great cuddle is good for you. I spoke to Katerina from Hampshire Cuddle Therapy. What is cuddle therapy? Cuddle therapy is a way that people who are touch deprived, not having human contact on an everyday basis, um, especially those people like not in relationships or um, have had bereavement. I have a lot of clients that come to me about that, uh, where they miss that human contact. Also, sort of, they use it in a way of work-related stress. Um, if they've got any illnesses, it can it can really help with sort of lower pain um, that they're experiencing. Um, also, a lot of people come to me about filling a void for your emotional void, just having that person there, you know, just to give a cuddle. You know, providing a cuddle to somebody 
it can give them sort of reassurance. Um, it can release what's called um, the cuddle hormone, which is oxytocin, um, which is a calming hormone, which makes you feel better to be able to deal with stress and situations and feel more relaxed, which can in turn sort of lower your blood pressure, lower your levels of the stress hormone, which is cortisol. So like it can boost your immune system, it lowers blood pressure, relieves stress and anxiety. Um, it helps people who've got sort of pain conditions. Mm. Um, a lot of people come through work-related stress and external environmental sort of factors that, you know, relationship stress or work-related stress, things like that. Um, also those that are touch deprived um, and want sort of feeling of sort of comfort and calmness and escaping their worries mm. and sort of having that human contact really. That's why most people would seek it. But they sort of recommend 20 seconds of cuddling can then start having hormonal changes so yeah that's cuddle that's what cuddle therapy is providing that that sort of service that you may not always be able to get from every everyday contact and uh, as a cuddle therapist what do you think makes a good cuddle a good cuddle is um make the person feel sort of secure um you know hold them sort of close and also sort of you can do different positions as well you can do like what's called like a bear hug sort of thing and also just talking and calm calm voice with them do you have a particularly f- a favorite way to cuddle yep sometimes like you can go behind someone and give them a cuddle that way so that's that would be called like a, a bear cuddle yeah. um also spooning you can spoon someone um just make them feel safe and secure yeah and if hmm. someone's listening to this and thinks they they might like to try cuddle therapy how can they find their local practitioner um, so um, I'm on like a directory, so um, you can you can look sort of cuddle therapists up on the internet um, that will provide you with ones that are registered within your area, and then they'll have links to their own uh, personal websites or Facebook pages for contact details. Um, also, it gives you sort of um, a background as to what type of cuddle therapist they are. Some people are quite holistic um, with their approach. So that's how you would sort of look, but you can put in some, you know, cuddle therapy in your area. Like you put an area and it will show up like a directory. So that's how you cuddle and why it's good for you. We'll be back with another lesson for something simple sometime soon. And this match is underway here on Real Audio Wrestling as your favourite, Jamie Irwin, attempts to gain some revenge against his opponent, the legend, Matt Lees. So now it's time for the Ministry of Swooping Fact Check Quiz. Each week, our guest has given a series of 10 facts, and we'll have to judge whether they are true or false. We then place them on the fact-checking leaderboard. Currently, there are four names atop the charts. Jim Cliff from Fallacious Trump, Karin Robinson from Primarily 2020, Jack and Adder from Totally Unprepared Politics, and Kitty Galpin from Being My Wife. I've all got seven out of ten. The table is rounded out by Matt Lees from Legend in My Spare Time on six, and Dr. Squee's first effort sees him in last place on four. To be fair, he was the only one to have done it in front of a live audience. Uh, but he's back for a second shot. So, Squee, are you ready to do some fact-checking? Yeah, let's say it was the audience was the problem. Uh, let's see what <laughs> I can blame on today. Uh, the internet connection I'm going to go with. Okay. Uh, number one, then. The original Monopoly board was based on London. Oh, geez. I feel like I know this, and I think it was New York, so I'm going to say false. It is false. It was actually uh, on Atlantic City, New Jersey. Oh, well, yeah, New Jersey, which is right. New York. There you go. Yeah, not far. Uh, number two, 
best-selling chocolate bar in America, Hershey's, doesn't contain enough cocoa to legally be classified as chocolate in the UK. True. That is true. Two yeah. for two. Yeah, American chocolate is, I'm sorry for any American listeners, but vile. Yeah, I wasn't a fan of what I've had. Yeah. Uh, no, number three, a dog won a mayoral election in a small American town. Um, oh, yeah, didn't this hit the news recently? I think that's true. It is true. Duke, a great Pyrenees, won an election to be mayor of Cormorant, Minnesota in 2014. He then won three further annual elections before retiring in 2018. Okay, this is where I lose it. Go on. <laughs> Number four. The first recorded high five was in 1836. Oh, I mean, just because I want it to be true, I'm going to go true. Uh, it's false. The first recorded high five was in 1977 during a baseball game in the US. LA Dodgers player Dusty Baker hit his 30th home run of the season. And as he rounded home and passed his teammate Glenn Burke on the on-deck circle, Burke raised his hand in excited greeting. On instinct, Baker reached up and slapped it because he said it seemed like the right thing to do. Nice. There we go. Um, and number five, in a similar fashion, the first recorded use of OMG as an abbreviation for Oh My God was in 1917. I Again, oh, you see, this is probably, it's going to be one of these ones where you've just done it a year out, but I did hear this the other day that that was true. I heard it on a it podcast. Oh, it, yes. is, it is true. It is true. It's in a 1917 letter from Lord Fisher to Winston Churchill. And do you know, there's an interesting thing that, um, sorry, it's just very pointless fact, uh, not that funny, so I'll say it anyway, uh, that uh, apparently to get into the dictionary or to be, oh, there's some sort of like technical thing about to be an official usage that someone has to have used it without explaining what it means. So if they use it and then go, meaning, oh my God, then it doesn't count for some reason because you had to explain it. It's a common right, usage okay. thing. Yeah, which apparently they, this letter did. It said OMG and then in brackets said, oh, my God. So um, that would be first recorded use. Yeah. But, yeah, not enough. To- but when they say it's been entered into the English language, then it's got to be after it's used without explanation. There you go. There we go. And another interesting fact here on the show. Thank you for that one. Uh, you've already equaled your Superpod t- uh, score of four, so anything from here is, is a bonus now. <laughs> that wasn't hard. <laughs> <laughs> Question number six. Uh, female platypuses have nipples. Uh, I'm going to go false. It is false. Well done. Yes. Uh, they they do have mammary glands, but they don't have nipples. Um, after her baby's hatched, the mama platypus sweats the milk out of her abdomen where it pulls in the creases of her skin. Well, there you go. <laughs> <laughs> okay, number seven. Tiffany was a popular name in 12th century Europe. Oh, uh, yeah, true. It is true. It's a variant of the Greek name Theophania, meaning God appears. Some readers, some readers, some writers even use the phrase the Tiffany problem to describe a real historical fact that sounds wrong in modern ears. Apparently, uh, there was uh, one Tiffany from that region who moved to another country, found out there was no Tiffany's, and he said, she said, I think I'm alone now. Oh, oh he's it. done it. Worth it. (laughs) Number seven. Disney annually buys more explosives than the US Department of Defense. (laughs) I mean, what do you count as explosive, though? I mean, I'm going to say just because it's volume, not explosivity, and all the films and they do the Avengers now and everything, I'm going to say true. 
uh, is is false. Right? Yeah. The the US DoD is the number one buyer of explosives globally, but Disney is actually number two due to the number of firework displays they put on at their parks. There you go. And the Avengers alone, surely like Endgame counted for half of those. <laughs> yeah. Well, uh, were they real explosions? Oh, yeah, it's all CGI now, isn't it? Damn it. Yeah. Um, and number nine for you then. Michelin are the biggest manufacturers of tyres in the world. Oh, you see, that seems so obviously true. I'm going to say false. It is false. Uh, in 2012, it, the Guinness World Record for largest tyre manufacturer per annum was awarded to Lego. Oh. Oh, because they're little mini tyres. Mini tyres on their little cars. They make more tyres than anyone else in the world. So it's an amount uh, or volume of kind of rubber used. So is that me on seven yeah. so far? That is you on seven, yes. So this one, one could take the lead. Yeah, it could, yes. Oh. Number seven for you. Antarctica is a desert. Antar- oh, damn it. See, it's so stupid to say yes, that it is a desert. That I, oh, oh, this is a cunning one. I'm going to say yes on it. It is. It is a desert. You're hey! absolutely right. There you go. And with that, Dr. Squee leaps from last to first in the leaderboard. And the first person to get eight out of ten. Well done. You. See, I was saving it up. I was saving up for a big kind of like um, rematch kind of thing. <laughs> Which means you're on an average of six. So uh, oh, We're not doing averages. We're doing top score here. No, no, we're doing top score. But once everyone's maybe had a go, if we get to the stage where multiple people are... Has Leezy been on twice to, to Piet? No, no, he's just done it once. I'm uh, sure he will be on at some point in the in the future. But there we go. Updated leaderboard now sees Dr. Scree at top on eight. And then Jim, Karen, Jack, Adam, Kitty, all second on seven. And now Matt is in last on six. Well, as it should be. <laughs> me and, me and Lizzie have got this kind of playful rivalry going on. So <laughs> there you go. podcast by her majesty the queen so the show is coming to a close our time channel hopping through podcasts is up if you've listened this far through the nonsense then thank you please do hit that subscribe button and make sure you don't miss any future episodes and if you have a minute please do give us a rating and review on whichever podcast system you're listening to us on those ratings really help us be heard by more people so you'd be doing us a big favor if you particularly liked Sucking Eggs, you can find those as standalone mini-episodes on their respective podcast feed. Same goes for our guest podcasts, Tales of Zendaria, and Ian's podcast, The Doctor Squeeze Show. Make sure you search them out on your podcast platform of choice. Also, don't forget to follow us on all the social medias. I'm at UK. that's A-L-B-E-A-R-U-K. Vote in the poll, which will be pinned thread on Twitter and on the website at albear.uk forward slash cave. And you can send us any emails to bearcave at albear.uk. Until next time, take care and stay safe.
The Bear Cave and Other Podcasts is written, produced and presented by Alan Jumpin, with additional performances from Darren Saunders, Matt Lees, and Richard Johnson. Theme music is one shot by Hot Sounds. News theme by Fabio Music. Other music from Adam Batofsky and Anna Managuchi used under Creative Commons license. I wish I was a real boy.